Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Bonnie D. Graham in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, come on, you know you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from Mike Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Found this on a website, on a blog site called Nutshell, N-U-T-S-H-E-L-L dot com. Let me read it and then I'll tell you what we're going to talk about today. He says, quote, Increasing a company's growth trajectory is rarely about discovering some brand new strategy or tactic. There's no such thing as a quote-unquote magic bullet. It's really about making better use of the resources you already have. Hmm, let that sink in for a second. So let's talk about what we're talking about today. Everyone in your company, and I said everyone, and I mean everyone, has a role in your revenue growth. That's right. Why? Because the new B2B customer journey, and that's what we talk about here on the show, it demands that all of your internal groups, all of your employees, all of your managers, and the appropriate external partners work together seamlessly. What are they working on? Well, we're going to look at it as a multi-touch point, cross-channel, seamless strategy. What are you trying to do? You want to reach and engage all of your target audiences. You need all hands on deck, everybody on board. So if you're not doing that already, how do you shift your current corporate culture? How do you educate and engage your employees? You want them to be active ambassadors, evangelists, whatever word you love. And how do you define the role of partners? Because we're looking at a new sales and demand generation approach, acknowledging that the customer journey for B2B buyers is new. It's not what it used to be. So welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth Radio. And we have three experts on the panel. Our topic today, by the way, is interesting, B2B revenue growth, a one-team approach, and my three experts are going to help us learn what that means. So welcoming back to Game Changers Radio, Rob Levin at RSL Media, Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact, and I believe our third panelist is a newcomer, Andrew Steen, S-T-E-A-N-E, at SAP. So Rob Levin, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself briefly to our listeners around the world. Please tell them who you are, what you do, what is RSL Media, and you're also Editor-in-Chief of Speak SMB. So, Rob Levin, you're up. Thanks a lot, Bonnie. So thrilled to mm-hmm. be here. So, uh, RSL Media, we uh, produce programs for large brands and mid-sized brands as well that in- attract, engage, nurture, and convert small and mid-sized businesses, generally through content-based programs, and we'll probably get into some of that uh, today. Speak SMB is where we publish our B to SMB insights, and I am speaking to you today from Midtown Manhattan. Thank you. Just quickly, what's the weather report in Midtown Manhattan? Since I'm no longer in New York, Rob, make me jealous or make me glad I'm in Durham. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> it's it's nice and sunny today. I mean, really sunny, and it's probably going to hit about 90 degrees. I'm guessing. 
Same weather pattern. Okay, we'll deal with it. Thank you very much. I have the AC on, by the way. Welcome back, Rob Levin. Let's go to Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact. Vanessa, I hope you've been well. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to at Tribal Impact. Hi, Bonnie. Delighted to be here. So many thanks. Um, yeah, we're working for Tribal Impact, which is an agency which is all about driving business growth through employee social media conversations. So we help all organizations of a um, large size with digital selling, employee advocacy, uh, employee-generated content, and really helping and enabling organizations to develop an inbound business approach through a number of different ways. So that's what we're all about. Thank you very much. Lovely to reconnect with you, Vanessa. And Andrew Steen, talk to me. Tell me about what your role is and what you've been up to and what this topic means to you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. So I am indeed a rookie Mm -hmm. um, to the program, so thank you. Uh, I'm based in Toronto, so hopefully you'll be able to make out my thick Canadian accent. Uh, I work for (laughs) SAP. (laughs) I work for SAP in the channel. I've been in the channel for over 25 years, and I've done pretty much everything in the channel from marketing to sales, direct sales with channel partners, and done sales operations working on our business of over $800 in revenue. So I've done a lot of different things. Um, right now, I focus a lot on um, channel strategy and some of our go-to-market programs. So I spend my time doing that at the moment. Um, and this topic for me is pretty interesting because we are really seeing a convergence between sales and marketing, and I know that we're going to get into that. So I think it's mm-hmm. a really important topic for us to think about in terms of how customers get acquired by, um, by companies today. Thank you very much. Nice to have you on, all three of you. Rob Levin has sent me the following quote. By the way, if you're a new listener to Game Changers Radio, it's a set of programs I developed for SAP back in 2011, and we have 43, count them, 43 different theme series over the years. 13 of those series are currently in live production this year, 2019. And the format is pretty much the same. So I always ask my guests to send me an inspirational or provocative quote that has nothing really to do with our topic. And then I invite them to creatively explain why they picked the the quote and how it relates to the topic. So we're starting off with Rob Levin. And Rob has sent me a quote from, ooh, The Black Crows, the lyrics in Wiser Time. Those of you like me who didn't know who the Black Crows were, American rock band formed in 1989. They had eight studio albums, four live albums, and they had several charting singles. Wiser Time was a single by them on the album Amorica, late 1994. It made number 15 on the charts in Canada. Andrew, that's for you. Number 34 in the UK, that's for you, Vanessa. And it reached number seven on the U.S. Billboard album Rock Tracks chart. That's for Rob. The band sold more than 30 million albums and is listed at number 92 on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock. Here's the quote. On a good day, it's not every day we can part the sea. Rob, talk to me. How did you find a Black Crows quote for our show today? What do you got to say? Well, it's not hard for me because I'm a Black Crows fanatic, even though they're, the band <laughs> is no longer around in the, in the original form. But, uh, you know, what I like about this quote is it's it's like a realistic optimism. So, you know, not every day is going to be a great day, but on those great days, we can do a lot. We can part the sea. And uh, that's, I think, what we need to do as, as marketers, as salespeople in the, in the B2B world today. It's getting hard. I think it's, it's getting more and more challenging uh, to do B2B sales. 
And uh, I think when, you, when, when you're inspired and when you have the right mission and the right focus, and we'll obviously get into that, uh, you can do some pretty amazing things, not only for the company, but for your customers. Very interesting. Tell me something. Part the C. Are we talking, Rob, I'm going to ask you to relate it specifically to our topic today. Are we talking about parting the C of being competitive, of earning that revenue growth? Are we talking about parting the C of bringing all of your teams together internally with, as I said in the opening, the right partners and making it a seamless strategy so everybody is part of that growth effort, that growth project, if you will? How, how would you like to apply the quote? Either or Both. Both. Both, and I'm going to add a third one, which is you're, you're, you're parting the sea for your customers because you're going to show them what's possible. You're not just going to give them a product. You're going to help them with their business outcome that they're trying to seek, that they're trying to achieve. Thank you. Thank you. Very interesting. Very well done, Mr. Levin. I appreciate that. And thank you for introducing me to the Black Crows. So there. Vanessa Baker has sent us a quote from Rudyard Kipling from his famous poem, If. Joseph Rudyard Kipling, 1865 to 1936, was an English journalist, short story writer, poet, and novelist, born in India, which inspired much of his work. He wrote the poem, If, that's I-F, as a paean, P-A-E-A-N, if you like that old-fashioned word, to British masculine rectitude and stoicism. And some people say that he wrote this for his son, addressing his son, shedding light on his beliefs and conveying those to his son. So he is also the author of the fiction, The Jungle Book, 1894, Kim, 1901, and one of his short stories was The Man Who Would Be King in 1988. He wrote Mandalay, he wrote Gunga Din, The Gods of the Copybook Headings, and The White Man's Burden. I will leave it at that. Here's the quote that Vanessa has selected, and it's a very long poem. Here's the piece. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, dot, dot, dot. Vanessa, how did we pick this quote today? Thank you for, I love it. Go ahead. Well, I picked this, but firstly, I have to admit that I'm no expert on poetry. There's just a couple of poems, which I've always loved. And then when I received the topic that we're talking about, you know, how do we change the game in revenue growth? I thought, well, actually, changing the game in revenue growth is all about changing culture, changing mindset. And I think we all know and have experienced that this kind of huge change within organizations, um, post-digital transformation, does not happen overnight. We're going to meet resistance from the more traditional outbound way of doing things. So we need to work together. We need to counter those objections. We need to understand where people are coming from when they come up with objections and work together as a team to really try and get to the place we want to be to work together collectively to get to that point where we really can offer a cross-channel seamless strategy. So that's why I liked it. You know, it won't happen overnight, but culture embedding can happen if you, you know, think about it from the other people's point of view and continue sharing it in a positive light. Thank you very much. Do you think it's a hard thing to do? Is it difficult, Vanessa, to take this one-team approach to get everybody on board to say, for example, you go into a retail store today and you've got somebody at the counter who's supposed to take your money and he or she might be on the phone or they're talking to the person at the next cash register and they really don't care about you, but they represent the company. They're, they're the face of the brand mm. of the store. They don't get that. So, so my question to you is how hard is it? We'll go around the table on this later. How hard is it to get everybody in the company to believe that they are 
are important to that goal. What, what's your point of view on that? I think um, absolutely. It, it's hard. There's no easy feat, you know, to, to filter through the board level vision right down to the person working on the tills. But I think that the message has to be clear. Customers have so much choice today. Everything is online. Um, it's much harder to retain customers. It's not just about customer acquisitions. And, you know, if I don't like my experience in one shop, I will just go elsewhere or I'll just shop online. So there'll be an impact very quickly on the revenue growth if we're not delighting our customers. So I think organizations, it's imperative that they focus on this, drilling down all the way through all the organization with the same message about how the customers are at the center of everything we do. Thank you. In an ideal world, it would be beautiful. We'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. It would be, wouldn't it? Thank you, Vanessa. Now let's go to Andrew Steen, our newcomer on the panel, and he's picked one of our favorite quotes from Yogi Berra. Anybody who's too young to know Yogi Berra, Lawrence Peter, nicknamed Yogi Berra, B-E-R-R-A, 1925-2015, to American professional baseball catcher, manager, and coach, played 19 seasons with the MLB. Major League Baseball, and all but the last for, yay, the New York Yankees. Rob and I are cheering. He was an 18-time All-Star, won 10 World Series championships as a player, more than anybody else in MLB history. But his legacy is for how he contributed to the American language. His expressions and the way he turned phrases were memorable because most of them didn't make sense, but they were all very truthful. So I'm going to give you the one that Andrew has selected, and then we might toss in a couple more. Baseball is 90% mental. And the other half is physical. Andrew, you can't say this with a straight face. Andrew, Andrew tell us how you picked this for our topic today, please. Help me out here. Yeah. Um, well, I love this quote because it sort of sends a mixed message, right? It's, it's, first mm-hmm. of all, it's just funny. And then it's got this kind of funky math component to it. It's kind of like a lot of Yoki Bear quotes. They, they sound true on the surface. But if you're paying attention, you kind of do a bit of a double take on it. Another one was, he said, you know, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. And you kind of go, yeah, exactly. Wait, what? And, and <laughs> so you, kind of, you kind of have to take a step back for a second. And so sometimes you hear things in our day-to-day lives that seem to make sense on the surface. But we need to dig a layer or two deeper to actually do something about it. And that's what this kind of quote means to me. So the idea is turn off the autopilot and fly the damn plane. <laughs> I like that. The other quotes that come to mind are Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. We love that one. It ain't over till it's over. Okay. My favorite is, it's like deja vu all over again, which is uh, a tautology. It's, it's circular reasoning because deja vu means all over again. Very, very well done. Thank you very much, Andrew. Let's get to know our panelists just a little bit better. We already know Rob Levin is in Manhattan. We already got the weather report. So, Rob, what's your favorite drink that keeps you – what a wonderful smile in your PR photo you said. So what keeps you happy, Rob? What's your favorite beverage in the whole wide world? Uh, Highland Park 18. It's a uh, scotch whiskey. Ooh, and do you take it neat or on the rocks, or how do you do it? Neat. Absolutely neat. neat. I'm surprised I even knew that word. Thank you very much. <laughs> Vanessa Baker, where in the world are you today? I think I know. And what's your favorite beverage? <laughs> I'm actually in the SAP UK um, London office, which is great. And my favorite beverage, which I'm not drinking now because it's kind of a post 8 o'clock 
in the evening drink is gin and tonic. It has to be every time. And I think I said that last time I was on the show. So I'll be looking forward to one of those later, Bonnie. Very, very good. Do you have a favorite gin that goes with that tonic? Uh, Bombay Sapphire, yes. Okay, I had a feeling you did. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Wait wait for it. We're only going to be on the air another uh, 42 minutes, so you can wait. Andrew, I'm allowed to say that. Andrew Steen, you get the how the party rolls here. Andrew Steen, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? So uh, I'm in Toronto, and um, the drink that I've chosen is a Dr. Pepper, but it's not the Dr. Pepper that comes in a can. It's a party drink. It's half a glass of beer, third of a glass of either Pepsi or Coke. You drop a shot of amaretto in there. When it hits the bottom, it'll fizz up. You drink the entire thing like a shot. And I've never seen anybody be able to do this without burping. So aside from being a great party drink, um, it has this added, be- added benefit of being an alien detector. So if you can drink this without burping, <laughs> you've got to be an alien. <laughs> well, I looked it up, and I found something called the Dirty Dr. Pepper Cocktail. Is that the one? Uh, well, I don't drink any other drink last, so that might be an added twist. Um, but it, it could be it could be the same one. It says, this is a fun drink for summer barbecues as you prepare a big pitcher for your guests to self-serve. Uh, let's see if we can get a quick recipe for it. How to make, okay, amaretto, cinnamon alcohol, Goldschlager or Fireball, and a can of Coke. Is that close? Uh, it's close. That sounds a little next level to me as soon as you start bringing in Goldschlager. And by the way, this is not a drink that I drink on a regular basis. In fact, I cannot remember the last time I've had one, but... I do remember it being a lot of fun the last time I did it. So it's been years. You're but, absolved. Um, the, I found another recipe. I found another recipe, Andrew, that actually has a half a can of beer, which says it's optional. So, yes. Okay. So we'll go. we'll go with that. Thank you to the three of you. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. Rob, we're having a gorgeous sunny day. We start out in the mid-60s now, which is a great relief, and then we go up to the low 90s, but they usually lie. When they say, when Alexa, I have to say quietly or she'll talk to me from the other room. When I say, uh, when she says it's going to be 92, you could pretty much bet on by mid-afternoon it's going to be closer to 99 if you take your car out and it's doing the ambient temperature outside. I am here only allowed to drink a non-caffeinated beverage because it's a double header. I've already had a radio show an hour ago. This is my second one for the day. After this, I might have a milkshake. So I have cool, clear water, but I have switched being environmentally conscious. You can laugh at me if you will, but I'm trying to give up plastic straws, which I hear are contributing to the gunk in our oceans and hurting the fish population and probably Atlantic swimmers as well. And I switch to paper straws, which I hate because they taste awful and they just change everything you drink through them. So I've switched to, just bought a new batch of silicon straws. I have all the colors of the rainbow. I have light blue and lavender and beige and white. Some bend, some don't, and they have a brush. And the funny part is they give you a cleaning brush. And I tried the brush for the first time this morning, and the brush gets stuck in the straw. (laughs) So you have to wiggle the brush to pull it out the other side to get it out of the straw. Is anybody going to laugh with me? Rob, Vanessa, Andrew, anybody have this experience with silicone straws? I have the same yeah. thing with metal straws, but it, you, it works. You do. Yeah. 
You do. Yep. You got to wiggle that thing. They sent me a batch of really big ones, wide mouth, and, and the little ones. I prefer the little ones. So I have my cool, clear water here in my mug with a lavender-colored straw. And since it's water, I don't have to clean it afterwards. We'll leave that one alone. And the lipstick is mine, so it's okay. So you're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth Radio, presented by SAP, of course. We are live here. It's Tuesday, July 30th. Uh, 2019, let's keep that straight on the year. We're talking about B2B revenue growth, a one-team approach. What are you doing in your company? Whatever footprint, whatever maturity, whatever industry, whatever blurred line industries you're in, whether you're a little company, a big company, how long you've been around, whatever you do, are you following a one-team approach? Have you instilled and educated in all of your employees from top to bottom, bottom to top, that they're part of the project of revenue growth? They represent your brand. They're part of the strategy. They need to be brought on board, your partners as well. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to take a very quick break. It's actually a little bit early. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Rob Levin at RSL Media and SMB Speak, Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact, and Andrew Steen at SAP. So to our listeners around the world, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You have 90 seconds to have something refreshing and then come back because we're going to teach you a whole bunch of stuff you really need for your revenue growth. Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big. Work small. Presented by SAP on the Business Channel. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Yes, indeed. We're trying to change the game by educating you on what's called the one-team approach. We're going to find out more as we take a deep dive into our roundtable right now. Rob Levin is up first, and Rob told me the following in his notes. Here's how it works. Rob will talk for a couple minutes about what this all means, and then we will invite Vanessa Baker at Tribal Impact to agree or disagree with Rob, and then we'll do the same with Andrew Steen at SAP. Then we'll have Rob wrap that up. Then I'll pick something from Vanessa's notes. We'll go around the table again, and the same with Andrew. So, Rob said the following, it starts with the mission of your organization, which for many needs to evolve. That is a packed statement, Rob. So much in there. Why don't you unpack it for us and tell us a little more, please. So, we're talking about getting the, uh, the, the, the entire workforce uh, fired up behind sales. And to do that, you've got to get them fired up about something that, that matters, something that's very meaningful. And, uh, and then this will permeate through sales and marketing. And 
the mission for most companies needs to not just be tied to producing a, a great product or, or, or great service, but needs to be tied to the success of the customer. So it's not just that we're, we want to provide a, uh, a platform, let's say some software, that helps our customer, but we want to actually see our customers be successful. And uh, that, that's, it, it almost can sound like lip service, but it's really powerful because then, you're, then everything changes. Um, and when I say everything changes, the way you market changes, the way you sell, because the way you sell changes, because then what you're doing is you're, you're trying to help the customer not only buy your product, but actually get to the outcome that they're looking for. Now, in my world, we help big brands with the, uh, marketing and selling to the small and mid-sized businesses, this mm-hmm. business market. And you've got to keep in mind that with, particularly with small and mid-sized businesses, they often don't know what they don't know. They need to be educated not only on your product, but what's possible. Uh, what have others done in, in my industry that, 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 uh, that I can do as well? Because peer-to-peer is very powerful. So anyway, it goes back to starting with the mission. It's all about we want to make our customers successful. It's not just about making a great product or service. Thank you very much. Great way to start our roundtable. Vanessa Baker, join us. Agree or disagree with Rob Levin's point of view here, please. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And it has to be driven down from the organization's mission and vision. And as I mentioned earlier, and I absolutely agree with this, it's all tied in with the customer success. Because if you don't keep the customer, and if the customer's not successful, then obviously there's no point in, in, in being there. It's all about keep getting those customers on board and keeping them. And I think with engaged and motivated employees who understand how every employee can play a part in that, then then it can be achieved. Not overnight, but it is possible. So, yes, I do agree with it. Thank you very much. Andrew Steen, join us, please. What's your thought on this mission that Rob has described? Yeah, I mean, I'll agree and and pile on a little bit and say that Mm -hmm. you you need a vision as to what you want to achieve. So the mission is the 50,000-foot view of how you're going to get there. The vision is what it ultimately looks like when you arrive. Um, and I think that that's super important for these folks to rally around that vision and mission statement. And I call this the why. So it's not necessarily about what you do or how you do it, but why are you doing it? Um, and then, you know, getting out there and measuring the tangible business results uh, that you're driving for your customers. Thank you very much. Interesting. Rob Levin, anything you want to add before we move on to something in Vanessa's notes? I, I think we I think we nailed it. I think the, uh, the uh, my other panel, my fellow panelists, did a great job adding on. Uh, I think we're ready to move on, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Vanessa. You threw some statistics at me, which we love here. You say ninety percent of B two B buyers say when they're ready to buy, they will find you. What does this mean for businesses? Organizations have to be present and relevant with a strong digital presence. So, Vanessa, let's tie this to the one team approach. Who is involved with being present? being relevant, and having a strong digital presence. Is that the one-team approach? Vanessa, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think, um, I think, as I mentioned further on in that statement, is that B2C behavior we all understand because, you know, we all buy, go online to research washing machines, cars, but that sort of behavior of comparing, researching, and getting up right through the buying to the end of the buyer journey without even talking to a salesperson is very relevant now. 
and transitioning into B2B. So if our if as an organization and as representatives of that organization, if we're not online commenting, posting, sharing relevant information that will is authentic and will help those prospects and customers out there, then quite simply we will completely miss out on the opportunity to be considered as a potential vendor. Um, and I think, you know, now they say that if you think 90%, when they talk to the salesperson, they've pretty much decided on what product, solution or company they want to go with. So if you're not mm-hmm. present online, whether it's on social media, whether it's through blogs, whether it's through your website or peer-to-peer reviews, then you're not going to reach that revenue growth that the organization is trying to achieve. So that, that was my sort of overview of what I meant by that statement. Thank you very much. Very well put. Let's go around the table. Andrew Steen, join us, please. What do you think? Agree or disagree with either the number or the approach or how Vanessa unpacked it for us? What do you think? Well, I mean, I think the number is to some degree irrelevant in the sense that we just know it's a lot. It's a big number. Um, And at the end of the day, self-education is here. The Internet provides that. So educational content is king. You need to understand where and how your prospects are educating themselves, and you need to get there. And be altruistic versus self-serving. Build your marketing plan around your ability to educate your customers as a starting point. And I would argue we should educate for free but solve problems for a fee. Mm, Interesting. Rob Levin, round the table. What do you think? Harumph. I like that. Um, I like that a lot. I, I actually think that the the marketer's role has changed. Where it, there's uh, there's like a think about it as a continuum, and you have the product all the way on the right, and you have content on the left. Content is the way that you your your prospective customers and current customers are going to begin to engage with you. It's going to be way before the product, and you need to put the same focus you do into into content as you do into your product for all the reasons that both Andrew and Vanessa said. This is actually how you are going to first engage with people. This is how you're going to show that you are vested in their success and that you're interested in their success. And this is actually the beginning of the buying journey. The beginning of the buying journey is showing them the path to how to solve a problem. Thank you very much. Vanessa, that was a good talking point. Anything you want to add before I'm looking ahead at Andrew's notes so I can pick something? We're going to cover a lot on the show because we're really steamrolling through yeah. this. Van- Vanessa, go ahead. I've got just one point actually reminded me of one more stat statistic that I'll throw in there. And I completely agree with um, both of the, you know, the, the comments you guys made. And uh, another statistic is interesting is that 74% of buyers choose the company that was first to add value as they are defining mm-hmm. their buying decision, which once again reiterates mm-hmm. how important it is to be providing the educational free content, which cuts above all the other content available online. So content is king. So that's all I'm going to say. Thank you very much. Good, good around the table. Andrew, I'm finding something very interesting here, talking about the people, human part of this equation, this one-team approach. You say changing someone's mind requires emotional and intellectual connection. You generally need two things, reliable data and a story. And I'm going to add a little more from your notes here. You say um, salespeople may say marketing doesn't work. So let's talk about how to get that one-team approach with your marketing people. Go ahead, Andrew. 
Yeah. So this idea of, of being both anchored on the emotional side and the intellectual side. So on the emotional side, you need some kind of a story. You need something that people can relate to. Like, oh, here's an example of when this happened. And so if you're a marketer, here's how we have helped, you know, salesperson X, Y, and Z or our sales team in this particular way. Um, but you can't just use one example. I think you also need to have some statistics. Um, there's a great quote that I love that says 50% of all marketing is wasted. We just don't know which 50%. So mm-hmm. um, that's the sort of skepticism that generally people come to, to bring to bear when they start talking about marketing. So what are you doing? Measure your results, improve those results, and communicate the results to the sales team so that they believe what you're saying, so that they will trust what you're doing, they will buy into what you're doing. And in a one-team approach, you really need sales to believe in marketing. Interesting. Thank you very much. Let's. Uh, that may be a very tough challenge. Rob Levin, join us. Agree or disagree, and how would you solve that Pepsi challenge, if I you think- will? I, I think this is this is a matter of uh, the you know everybody's been sit, talking about uh, the need for sales and marketing to be more aligned over the past few years, and that need is so great today, and it's so great for uh, I'll give you two specific reasons, and this is mm-hmm. very much tied into what Andrew was talking about. Uh, reason number one is the buying journey is not linear in any way, shape, or form. It's all over the place. You have. MQLs become SQLs, go back to becoming MQLs. We're talking about marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads. People are going back in and out. But here's another thing. Again, think about what we talked about just a few minutes ago. We talked about how the buying journey starts out with, hey, I need to solve this problem. I have this opportunity in my business. And uh, what have other people done? Right? It starts out with the, the search for ideas and solutions. And if that's the way um, that a brand is engaging through content, by providing that content to help provide those ideas and solutions, then that's what's in the, on the mind of the buyer. By the time they become that SQL and they're, and they're pushed over the wall into sales, they're, okay, they're ready to buy, but now they're still thinking about this solution and they're thinking about the content that the marketing team uh, actually engaged them with. And if the salespeople are not on board with everything that marketing did, you're, not gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna actually create fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Because now the story that you're hearing from the company is not the same. What, what I read about in the content on the website is a little different than what the salespeople said. So the alignment has to be uh, really seamless today. To me, it almost becomes like one department where we're just doing a little, we're dealing with different parts of the buyer's journey. Thank you very much. Vanessa, join us, please. Yep, um, and once again, I have to say I completely agree with both um, Andrew and Rob. I mean, the alignment between sales and marketing, as you said, the, 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 the sales, typical sales funnel as we know it, is very different now. Marketing are holding on to the leads much more often um, until right at the end and it's signing off to sales. So if we don't know about the conversations and the feedback that sales are having when they're face-to-face with the customers, then we can't develop the content which meets the customer's needs. So it's absolutely key that those silos are broken broken down. And as you said, why not, you know, everyone just works in the same department and just has slightly different roles. And I think without that alignment, there are going to be big issues in terms of that communication. So it is absolutely key. Um, and I do like to just go back to Andrew's thing saying it's about the emotional mm-hmm. and the intellectual connection. You need content which meets buyer's needs at every stage of the journey and supporting that with the data and the story. So I think that was a, a really great statement, which I completely agree with. 
Thank you. Andrew, any comments back to your co-panelists on what they added? Yeah, I love what they said there. Um, you know, this, this idea of alignment between the marketing message and the sales message. If the marketing message is, hey, this is how we solve your problem, and then the sales team is talking to the customer and says, well, here's the solutions we have, and they just talk solutions and buy this, buy this, buy this, um, that's going to be a, a mismatch. So this idea of we're always customer-focused, we're always thinking about the problems that we solve. Solutions come very late in the process, typically, or they should. Um, but really, it's about that alignment of the messaging. Certainly, in your early stages of your sales cycle, you need to have those two things singing from the song page, the same song page. Thank you very much, song page. I like that very much. Okay. Rob Levin, I'm going back to your uh, open your statements here for the roundtable. We, we do have some extra time. I don't know how we're going so quickly around the table today, but we're just being very efficient, and I love it. So, Rob Levin, you say we're talking about these changes, a one-team approach, and you say this changes sales because your salespeople are consultants. That may be a very new concept. They're selling products by helping the prospective customer solve a problem. We're talking about B&B, B2B as well as B2C, Rob. Once you uh, put some context around this, please, and, and how do we let them know? One of my opening questions was, how do you educate your people? How do you get them to know that they matter? They are consultants. They're brand representatives. They're evangelists. They're, they're out front with everything they do for your company. So how do we get them to understand that salespeople are consultants who are problem solvers? Rob Levin? So I want to go back to what we started off with, which is the mission, right? So mm-hmm. what's the mission of yep. the company? And then, this will, yep. and then if the mission is tied into your customer success, then your salesperson is there to make your, your customer successful. I'm not saying that you know, we have a, a, all tech companies now have uh, customer success departments. I'm not saying they're getting involved in that level after the sale. But in the, in the sales process, it's about not just selling your product. It's about helping your customer get to their business outcome. And obviously the product that you're selling is a part of that. And uh, I actually disagree with you, uh, Bonnie, that this is not something that's new. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the top salespeople have been, have been performing like consultants and acting like consultants for many years, and that's why they're the okay. top salespeople. They have a vested interest in their customer's uh, success, and they take that approach of, hey, I want to help you. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, if, if there's a fit, I'll be selling some product along the way, but I want to help you. And, it, it, again, it starts with a mission, starts with a mindset, and uh, then what you hope happens is you can, it, within the company, you highlight those successes. You highlight the success of, hey, uh, Julie in sales just not only closed this deal, but helped this customer achieve this goal, right? And you mm-hmm. celebrate those stories. Those stories not only help you on the marketing side externally, but they help you internally. Because now the people who worked on the product get to hear that story and say, wow, you know, I worked so hard on developing this product. And, and I get to actually see uh, Julie helped, you know, customer 10286 um, uh, achieve this goal that they've been wanting to achieve. The, those stories then become really powerful within the company and get the entire company fired up. Thank you very much. I'm going to bring Vanessa in on this because, Vanessa, I'm looking at your notes and you have something here that goes exactly to what Rob is talking about. You say, according to the latest Edelman Trust Barometer research, there has never been a better time to activate your employees to become your social advocate. So, Vanessa, why don't you add on to what Rob was saying about your salespeople actually for a long time have been those problem-solving consultants that everybody needs to do today. What do you think? 
Yeah, and I think um, in the ideal scenario, um, the salespeople are consultants, and I think sometimes there was a little bit of an emphasis on the traditional sort of pushy sales approach, but I think that that particular negative aspect has to be completely replaced with, as you said, the sort of the trusted, helpful, um, becoming a trusted advisor and sharing that success within the company. So, as you said, so that the other employees can see what part they played in that. Um, they may well be in contact uh, with their customers in, serv- you know, in services, in marketing, in sales, and technical support in any of those areas. And this um, research I was referring to shows that they carried out a huge survey and it showed that the people that um, prospects and customers most trust is not your CEO and it's not your, you know, the members of the C-suite. It's people in similar roles to themselves, the technical experts. So it's completely vital to, to involve your employees in the whole process because their opinions almost carry more weight than those of those of your logo, for example, or of your CEO. So that's what I meant by that. You know, everyone has the potential to become an advocate and needs to be involved in the overall vision. Thank you. We go back to vision and mission. Andrew Steen, join us. Thoughts on employees being advocates and salespeople being problem-solving consultants. What do you think? Are we there yet? Um, I'm not sure we're 100% there yet. I'm not sure we'll ever 100% get there. And But having said that, I think, you know, Rob said it off the top, but I, I agree. Like, we've been there for a while. Like, this is, this is not a, a particularly new technique per se, um, but quota does force people to do strange and wonderful things. Um, but mm-hmm. I really do believe that we should be acting like consultants. Um, and, you know, you're trying to help your customer become successful. And if you're not the right fit, don't force it. Connect them mm-hmm. with somebody who you think can help them because that will build trust. And clients come back to people that they can trust. So I think that that's really important. It's more principle-based selling versus process-based selling. I think that that's where Rob is going with this topic, and I really think that that's critical for successful salespeople today. Mm-hmm. And, and let me just add something from your notes, Andrew. You say hire people whose give-a-damn meter, G-A-D-M, <laughs> give-a-damn meter, works. So is this what we're talking yeah. about here, they have to care? I think so. I mean, the skills can be taught. Um, but you can't want a thing for another person. They have to care themselves. And so that idea of a give a damn meter, does the give a damn meter work? Do they actually care about what they are doing? Do they believe in the vision and mission that they, that the company has? And if not, they may not be the right fit. Even if they actually are performers, um, over time that will erode. Um, I call it this idea of missionaries versus mercenaries. So mercenaries mm-hmm. give you short-term results, uh, but missionaries, they give you long-term success because they actually believe in what you're doing and over time um, they will carry the day. Thank you. Rob, let's go around to you. Thoughts on, we've got a good conversation going here and we do have more time. Rob, talk to me. Yeah, I think, I think you can be uh, a bit of a mercenary and a, and a process-based uh, salespeople, a salesperson who's very aggressive but still yet it's all about the outcome of the customer success, and you could still be a, a top salesperson. And I'm not saying that Andrew was saying otherwise, but I, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to make the cash register ring. Uh, and I think it's just a matter of how are we going to market, and are we also are we empowering our salespeople? Are we giving them, enabling them 
with content to continue the conversation, along with a process that, um, that is very consistent with the buyer's journey and yet will still help us achieve our, our, our revenue goals. Interesting. I'm still stuck on give a damn meter. I've never heard that term before, Andrew. You stopped me in my tracks. Um, let's go around the table. I tell you what, it's 46 after. We've got about five minutes until we get to our crystal ball predictions part of the show. Never done it this fast, to tell you the truth. We're usually just barely getting through one note from each roundtable submission from the guest. So I'm, I'm very thrilled we have this much time. Let's go around the table, and I'm just going to ask um, Rob, Levin, this is not predictions yet, but Rob, what else is on your mind in terms of this one-team approach? Do companies need to have a banner? Do they need a meeting? Do they need an assembly? We're going to have a one-team approach. You all matter. You all have to be emotionally invested. You have to care. You have to give a damn meter. You have to to be turned on. You have to give a damn. We're going to educate you and train you. What is going to change for companies that haven't reached this, I'll say, B2B revenue growth nirvana, perhaps, if that's what it is. What what has to change? And not predictions yet, just what's your observation on what's wrong that's not happening? Rob? Well, the companies, the companies that are not um, uh, aligning sales and marketing, the companies that are not providing the content that helps their uh, customers understand what's possible and show them the, the path, those companies are, and I see this, uh, they're, they're seeing uh, higher cost of sales and marketing, they're seeing uh, longer sales cycles, and they're kind of, you know, they're kind of scrambling now. Well, how do we how do we fix this? And I actually hear this from from clients. Well, we're still able to adjust here and adjust there, and and keep our cost of sales, you know, where where it needs to be. But they're starting to see that, you know, what that's not working anymore. And we have to find this this very customer centric approach of both sales and marketing, and get them working together. Without that, I can promise you. Sales cycles are going to be getting longer because there's no trust. There's no. There's there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And the and the companies that your competitors who are engaging earlier with that type of content on the marketing side, they're the ones that are building trust up in that process much earlier. And when they're when the customer's ready to buy, that when you have that trust there, as Jack Daly says. Uh, sales is the transfer of trust. When you have that trust there, the this, this sale just really becomes seamless, assuming that sales is aligned with what marketing has done and vice versa. And when mm-hmm. I, by the way, when I say vice versa, mm-hmm. your marketing team, when we go in and a client wants us to produce content for them, one of the, usually one of the first people we speak to are the top salespeople because we want to hear from them what they're hearing from their clients. So it goes Very both interesting. Ways. Thank you. Good insights. Vanessa, I'll ask you the same question, Vanessa Baker. What do you think is wrong? It's not happening. What's, what's the, is there a magic bullet? Is there a big fix that has to happen for companies to get everybody on board with this one-team approach? What do you think? Is that the right term? I, I think the one-team approach is a, is a really good term. It, there is no magic solution or instant overnight fix. I think um, I really agree with what Rob was saying in terms of the alignment between marketing and sales. I think without that, companies will sort of continue for a while, but then before they know it, as Rob said, the sales cycles are just going to get longer and longer and longer, and eventually they'll only be entering into that decision-making process at the tender of making um, process, for example. Whereas if 
there is a more of an aligned approach and all the relevant content is online, the feedback from marketing and sales and the other departments, then it all becomes about attracting business and attracting customers rather than pushing out in the old sort of interruptive way. And when you have customers who are attracted to you, as you said, Rob, the sales cycles become shorter, the trust is there, and once you have that trust, as you said, the handover to sales isn't painful, there's no disconnect. So it is possible, absolutely, to have this one-team approach, but it will take time. And I think by showing the employees across the organization how to get this revenue growth and showing them that B2B buying behavior does reflect B2C now, I think everyone can understand it more clearly. Thank you very much. Andrew Steen, let's wrap this up. I can give you about a minute and a half, and then Rob will be ready with his 60-second prediction, then Vanessa, and then we'll come back to you, Andrew. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts? What needs to be changed? I think this idea of, you know, the handoff, this clean handoff between sales and marketing, it's, it's largely disappearing. So I think that that's why shared goals become incredibly important. Um, so KPIs shouldn't be, in, they shouldn't be siloed, they should be interlocked. And I, I don't think that that's really happening very much today. So in my mind, everybody should be measured on pipeline. Everybody should be measured on sales. Everybody should be measured on contract renewal. The percentage may vary by role, but the goals should be largely the same. We should all, it doesn't mean to say that you're not um, putting salespeople on commission or that you are putting marketing people on commission. It just means that those goals should be interlocked and they should be aligned. Compensation drives behavior, but understanding why drives commitment. So why are those goals interlocked? Because it is one team, we do have one shared goal, and I'm not sure that that is happening today as often as it should. Thank you very much. Good diagnosis all around. Rob Levin, 60 seconds up to you to start the crystal ball predictions round. What do you see will change? Will we still be having this conversation? Will the one-team approach be turned into something called the RSL approach? I don't know. Give me a crazy prediction. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. The Levin approach to sales and getting everybody on board as advocates of your company. What do you think? I like that, Bonnie. You're hired. Thank you. Um, I, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I know I what I'm companies, doing. <laughs> I think the companies that, that well, I, I, I know the companies that will win in the very near future, this is, this is not something that's 10 years out or even five years out, are the ones that are rallying around making their customers successful. And they're going to do that in the following ways. And these are just a few. Number one, their marketing departments are going to be producing not only content that helps the customer, but the best content. They're going to tap into the best subject matter experts, which is critical in producing point-of-view-changing content, whether those subject matter experts are internal or external. And they're going to create a community uh, around those subject matter experts. That's number one. Number two, sales are going to be more consultative. They're going to pick up the baton um, uh, in the relay race from, from marketing, and they're, going to, and they're going to run with it being on that exact same track that marketing is on. They're going to understand what content and what the strategy has been, what content's been consumed, what the need of the buyer is, and they're going to help them not only, not only by providing the product but by showing them the path to the solution. Support is going to, is going to be there, whether it's customer success or, or customer support. Support's going to be there by having uh, many, many customer stories of, hey, this is how our pro- this is how our one of our customers who is in your industry used our, product, uh, used our product and became very successful. 
And on top of that, we didn't get into it, but partners are going to be on board with this with a similar mission. Uh, they're part of the ecosystem, and they're going to be enabled and empowered with the same tools that you're empowering your sales force with. And that's, that's the crystal ball. Thank you very much. I like that. Vanessa Baker, you're up. Go ahead. I've got 60 seconds for you. That's it. Go ahead, Vanessa. Okay. I would say um, I really like Rob's crystal ball. That's very much what the ideal scenario looks like. I think the ideal scenario is that um, there will be marketing and sales alignment um, in, in my crystal ball prediction. I think that we, we should put ourselves into the customer's shoes. It's all about customer-centric and meeting their needs. I think we have to think like customers. What would we need is content throughout every single step of our buyer journey. Uh, and that means producing different types of content from awareness to, um, to blogs to videos to accompany the customer the whole way to the journey so we build their trust and they feel reassured when buying from us. I think that's what every organization has to aspire to if they want to stay in the game and drive their revenue growth. Thank you very much, Andrew Steen. I have 90 seconds for you. Vanessa was really on point there. So 90 seconds, Andrew Steen, what do you predict? Uh, I think we're going to see a convergence of roles. That front line or first point of contact between the company and the customer is going to start to converge into both a sales and marketing resource. I think that related to that, you'll start to see this convergence of KPIs that I, that I was mentioning earlier. Now, whether or not the convergence of KPIs happens first or the convergence of roles happens first, um, it's a bit of a chicken and egg uh, question. But I do think that with the buyer's journey changing the way it is, with the handoffs becoming more and more difficult and, or at least less clear, I think that that first-line role is going to have to become more of a sales and marketing person, um, and the skills required will be both sales and marketing. Thank you very much. Very well done, all of you. I appreciate it. I want to thank our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio. I have to thank the sponsor of this series, Lorraine Maurice at SAP. Lorraine, I know you're traveling all over the world. I hope you've been listening because this was a terrific panel. And I want to thank Allison Tomoff, who is a new intern on Lorraine's team for putting together this show. Allison, you did a great job and we really appreciate it. So we've got about a minute left. I'm just going to say tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel, new series called Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. We'll be talking about how do we hear each other, the future of podcasting, live streaming, internet radio. That's what we're coming to you on is it all fad is it all crazes or is it are going to be the new classic of how we pay attention and hear each other so let me do my call to action here thank you to my panel and here we go fasten your seatbelt what the world are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today just like rob levin at rsl media and speak smb just like vanessa baker at tribal impact and just like andrew steen at sap bonnie d graham signing off have a great day thank you very much bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.